Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create During the summertime when the weather gets hot, I can only imagine how much time you plan to spend outside with friends and family or on your couch with that AC blasting. AT&T 5G and home internet keeps you connected, whether you're at home or on the go, so you can stay connected to your loved ones and to your favorite things. Whether you're sharing pics from the best rooftops, video calling your friends from an outdoor concert, or streaming your favorite show, episode after episode after episode. So connect at home or on the move with AT&T 5G and home internet and create memories and more all summer long. AT&T 5G requires compatible plan and device. Coverage not available everywhere. Learn more at att.com slash 5G for you. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Before the show starts, I got to tell you some important things, including So Delicious is the best ice cream ever. Non-dairy, of course. And they have five new flavors. Blueberry cardamom, chocolate drizzled bananas foster, peachy maple pecan, cold brew coffee, and toasted coconut key lime. It's all plant-based, non-GMO, project verified, certified gluten-free, and certified vegan. There's no artificial flavors. This stuff is absolutely incredible. So head to the ice cream aisle to check out these new So Delicious dairy-free flavors. And visit SoDeliciousDairyFree.com slash WordsFrozen to learn more. I love this stuff consume it it's the best okay now i also have to tell you about we transfer we transfer it makes your projects so easy to share and so easy to collaborate with there's no sign in no offer codes no password to forget you just upload send and get back to making whatever it is that you make we transfer.com it is my preferred method to share huge files okay so do that and plus they feature artists podcasters bands musicians all that stuff great company we transfer.com Now, here is the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you are listening to this. I'm Ray Harkins, your ever-present host, and apparently I just got an email. (laughs) But uh, what do we do here? Well, if you're tuning into this, like tuning like a radio dial... (laughs) I always, there's just certain euphemisms that are so good that you cannot not use it, even though it is completely like does not make any sense in the context of a podcast. But anyways, the reason you are listening to this thing is the insightful discussions around independent music. And that's what we do here. We talk to people involved in bands. We get their stories. We get their the reason that they're still involved with this stuff, because, uh, you know, you're supposed to age out of it at a certain point. But, um, yeah, many of us don't. And we still hold it so dear and it influences the way that our lives go moving forward. And this dude is definitely a personification of that. 
Mr. Stu Ross. He plays in Comeback Kid, played in Misery Signals, also played in a bunch of other bands like Living With Lions and uh, Low Talker was another band. He's just uh, he's been involved for a long time. And uh, his story is really cool and very interesting because he uh, has played. Yeah, like I said, in five million bands and he's he's done the damn thing and he's doing the damn thing. So, uh, yeah, he he has been a close friend for a while. And I just there are certain people where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get them on the show eventually. And uh, certain people I'm like, no, I need to do this now because otherwise they're just going to continue to stay on the the proverbial burner and uh, not be coming on the show. And that's that's ridiculous. So anyways, what do I got to tell you about? I can tell you about rockabilia dot com, the best place for merch when you're looking for Everything located in one spot. You can have metal bands, hardcore bands, pop punk bands, whatever it is you're looking for. They have it. They have a half a million items, half a million. That's 500,000 different items. And I want to give you 15% off by using the code PC Jabberjaw. Okay. Rockabilia has been powering this show and powering a lot of the shows on the Jabberjaw media network. And we love the partnership. It makes so much sense because everyone wants band merch. Like that's 95% of my wardrobe is band merch. So they will have everything you possibly need. It's officially licensed. You don't have to worry about horrible bootlegs. And uh, yeah, the bands get paid for this stuff. It's the real deal. So rockabilia.com PC Jabberjaw is the promo code for 15% off. So that's that. And what else do I got going on in my life? Well, the Taken EP, that comes out on the 27th. And actually, I'm going to be releasing a bonus episode later this week on Friday uh, where it's a it's a fun chat that I have the, with the rest of the guys in the band when we were on tour in December. And uh, it's kind of trying to bring you a slice of the, uh, the touring van slash SUV that we were riding in lifestyle. Um, so yeah, that's going to be coming out on Friday. And I also am still looking for contributions from a uh, mailbag perspective. If you have a question, if you want to talk about a certain topic, whatever it is, email 100 words podcast at gmail.com because I am compiling something for a episode later on in the future. So hit me with questions, please. And, uh, that's all really, but well, actually, no, that's not all I was saying taken EP out on the 27th. Uh, other people records is coming out on. So please pre-order it. Check it out. I would encourage you to do that. I, I worked hard on this. The rest of the guys in the band worked hard on this. And I think if you are into aggressive music in some capacity that has a melodic twist to it, you probably will uh, find some value out of it. So that is my, uh, my, my sales pitch. <laughs> so what else? Uh, no, that's all. I just want, I just want to talk to you. Okay. Can we dive into this? All right, let's do that. And I will talk to you after the episode is over. My first introduction and memory of you is, uh, you know, this was, gosh, early 2000s in which you emailed me. And mm-hmm. it was a very, you know, a very well thought out, um, you know, affectionate letter or email of just basically being like, hey, I really like Taken. Um, our, our band Misery Signals, you know, has has similar sounds to what you guys are doing. And it was one of those things where, you know, I because how, how old are you? You're like 35? 30. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, yeah, there's, only, you know, I'm 37. So there's only two years apart from us. But, you know, Misery Signals at the time was a new band. And I loved what you guys did. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I got giddy because I was like, oh, that's so cool. I like his band, too. It works out perfectly. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure, you know, 
just because you've been involved, you know, just as long as I have in this weird independent music world, you know, is that sort of like, you know, full circle nature of like you still being active in bands and liking younger bands and then, you know, meeting bands that are older than you, like just that sort of mutual appreciation. Is that still, you know, like cool for you? Or is that kind of like, oh, that happens far less than it used to? I th- well, for me, I think as I get older, like, unfortunately, I like, you know, I might be less excited about that sort of stuff than I was, which kind of makes me sad in a weird way. Um, I mean, obviously, like, reaching out to you is like such a big deal, because you're, you're trying to find these people that have common interests. And, and you're like, wow, this band's so cool. I totally relate to this, like, um, creatively. And, and, and like, we should be friends, we should be we should be tight, like, you know, right. But it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I thought about that recently when we did a, we recently did a tour with that band Knocked Loose. Yep. And uh, they're all like pretty young dudes, like early 20s. There might have even been a guy that's 19 years old in the band. Um, but they're so excited about music, new and old. And like, that was so cool for me to see that, like that, that, that excitement still exists. And it, it, it kind of made me like sad that I don't, that I'm not as like excitable as I used to be in that regard. Um, which kind of like makes me think I should be. Uh, so yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's like you get older and you feel like, at least for me, maybe I feel like it, it would be weird for me to just like randomly message like a band and be like, Hey, you're sick. We should be buddies. But like, maybe I should still do that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there, I, I understand your point. I mean, there's definitely, you know, as you get older, you get perspective and you understand that, um, you know, maybe this isn't the most, uh, you know, socially appropriate thing for you to do. Just like, you know, I mean, even though it's like, you know, the, the reach out in and of itself, either on email or social media, it's like, you know, it's generally like fine. Like people aren't going to be bummed if you're coming at them being like, Hey, I like your band. But you know, because you get older, you're just like, Oh, maybe, maybe I won't do that. Maybe I'll just like kind of see them around, you know, a festival or something. Yeah. And I've, I've like kind of learned my lesson over the years. Like I can be a bit of like a punish, like regardless if like <laughs> if I'm trying to or not, like it just, it just like, it flows out of me. Just garbage flies out of my mouth. As soon as I'm around somebody that like I'm excited about or something, you know, like I can't tell you how many times I've cornered Chuck from hot water music and just been like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, and I'll be like a few beers deep and he's probably just like, get this fucking guy away from me. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, I've, I've done countless yeah. times, especially like bands of that era. Like, you know, the guys in grade, I used to sweat hard and luckily they're really nice to me and you know, they accept me as an adult now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not this just like really over enthusiastic kid that likes melodic hardcore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm guilty guilty as charged with the, the punishments and they, they'll still happen and they'll continue to happen. Yeah, no, that, that is good. I, I do agree that it, when you do encounter the sort of youthful exuberance of a young band, just because of, I think what gets me stoked about the, you know, knock loose kids and especially, I mean, I only know Brian, but the, uh, the nature in which he approaches, he likes obviously new bands and then he, um, you know, he just, there's this idea of like, oh, I really got to get into like the history of stuff and like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll rock a by the grace of God long sleeve when we play. And it's like, who does that? No one does that now. And it's well, yeah, like, especially with that group of kids, like they're so into like, you know, I I do uh, 
for, well, for the next little while, a couple months left, I've, I've been booking a club up here and there's a lot of like indie bands and stuff like that, that come through that frankly, I'm out of touch with, but like tons of people love these bands. And, uh, I found it interesting, like when we were touring with knock loose that, you know, they're, they know, they knew so much about like old Midwest hardcore. Um, they knew so much about these new like indie bands and then, you know, just like metal and death metal and all this stuff. And it's, it's really cool. Cause it's like, I remember being that way, having to go to record stores and looking at thanks lists and, you know, and then eventually going online and you find all these connections between all these bands, you get so excited and there's so much, there's so much music and so much content out there. Um, it's so hard to keep up with, especially I find as I get older, uh, where there's other things in my life that kind of take, take up the time that I would have to do those sort of things. But, uh, it's really cool. I, I, you know, I like that band a lot and we like touring with them and, and I like them personally. And I think they, they got a cool thing going on and it's great that they're excited because that's like, there's, there's so many people that are fucking assholes that do what we do these days. And like, it's cool that there's a young band that's like, you know, friendly and excited and, and doing well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. It feel like it feels right. You know, you're just like, yeah, that that's good. Keep doing what you're doing and hopefully you get more popular and keep going. And yeah, yeah. I, agree, I agree. Uh, but it does, I, I completely empathize with you where I, I've used this, you know, uh, saying before where it's like, the, you know, the input of information that we have now, it's like, you know, drinking from a fire hose where it's like, you know, <laughs> you're just, you're just like drowned immediately. And whereas, you know, when, you know, whatever the infancy of the internet for our music scene, you were able to at least kind of get in as deep as you needed to without, you know, drowning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so kind of reflecting on you as an individual, I have no clue where you were born and raised. Where like, and there are certain people where it's like, oh, I've known you for, you know, a long time, but I'm like, I have no idea where you came from. Where did you come from, Stuart? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm super Canadian. So my, uh, both my parents were born in Alberta. Okay. Uh, and they grew up in the same area. Like my mom was from Edmonton and my dad's from St. Albert, which is like a smaller town outside of Edmonton, which is now just a suburb of Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both ended up moving north when they were in their 20s. Uh, and then they met in the Yukon in Whitehorse. Wow. That, that, uh, yeah, you can't get more Canadian. Anytime yeah. you mention the Yukon, it's like you're deep. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's, so that's where I was born was in, in Whitehorse in the Yukon. And that's uh, like how many hours north of uh, a major city is that? <laughs> shit, I couldn't even tell you. Um, I know it's about a three or four hour flight from Vancouver, so... Dude. It's pretty fun. Yeah, you're on your way to Alaska at that point. Yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't been back since I was maybe ten or eleven years old. So sure. And uh, and was it? I mean, was it a pretty just rural upbringing? Yeah, I mean, the things I do remember are just small, quiet neighborhoods and lots of trees. And I can I can remember, you know, my parents the layout of the house we were in the first you know five years I was alive. Um. I can remember getting knocked down the stairs by a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you the, the, the color of the carpet in the laundry room. But uh, yeah, so those are the sort of things I remember from that. And then uh, when I was about, I think I was four, I think I had my fifth birthday in Edmonton, in St. Albert. Um, I think my parents moved back because of work and, and because both of our families were there, both their parents. Mm. Um, so yeah, then I, I grew up in Edmonton and uh, well, St. Albert. Um, 
and and that's and that's essentially saint albert is basically a suburb of edmonton that's what you're saying right that's exactly what it is yeah okay and Um, and what was the uh, i forget do you have brothers and sisters i do i have an older sister okay um three years older than i am so Uh, you were you were the baby of the bunch i was but it was kind of funny because she was such a shit disturber when she was a teenager (laughs) yeah that she kind of like she kind of you know, had sort of exhausted all my parents sort of like, you know, little sort of like minimal worries that they had. If I'm phrasing this right, you know, like she made so many like little mistakes and stuff that my parents were just like, I think they were just kind of burnt out by the time I got to that age. And they were like, well, he's going to be fine. (laughs) You know? Um, Sure. Yeah. They, they had, they had already tried their, uh, their best as far as, you know, reining her in. And then it's like, oh, well, I, I guess he's not as bad as his sister. So he'll probably be okay. Exactly. And I, I was always like pretty like sneaky about things. I would like call my parents and be like, I'm at so-and-so's house. But really we were, you know, trying to smoke oregano or fucking do something stupid. <laughs> uh, sure. Us- usual kid stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so no, I, gr- I grew up in St. Albert, which was like at the time it wasn't too big. It was a pretty small town kind of feel, but I mean, it's pretty much attached to Edmonton. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, unfortunately I was never like a big sporty kid or anything. And, um, you know, I like drawing and stuff like that. And then, yeah, I don't know. Skateboarding. I got into skateboarding and through skateboarding, you know, I got some turned on to some music. I, I can remember like going to, uh, Jason Lee, uh, skateboard of what would you call it? Exhibition. I don't know. He was doing like a, a dem- demo. They used to call demo. it demos. Skate demo. That's how you call it. Yeah. So yep. he was doing a skate demo at Newground, which was this skate shop. And, uh, I remember there was, I can't remember what company was distributing it, but there was like these free cassettes and, uh, quicksand was on it. Thorn in my side was on that. And I remember being like, this song's cool as hell. Right. Um, and I knew I liked it more than I liked other music but I didn't know why. And I mean, I think at that point I was already exposed to sort of like Metallica, Pantera, Green Day. Um, so I knew like I liked, I liked that that was different and I liked, I, I knew it was for me in, in some capacity. Um, and then from that you start to notice like, at least for me, like through skateboarding and stuff, there's always flyers at skate shops for shows and there's advertisements in skateboard magazines for, you know, epitaph records or whatever label was you know you could get through mail distro or by special ordering at a a record shop um i didn't realize that you know this whole punk thing existed (laughs) sure sure um but yeah so that's how i slowly got turned on to that stuff um and and then yeah by the time i hit junior high school i was i was full bore man you know (laughs) Yeah, sure. You were you were, you were getting knee deep into it. Um, I think it almost seems you know uh, just just crazy the fact that you know you did not play hockey like that. That seems kind of like part, you know part of the rite of passage of most children <laughs> that get raised in Canada, especially the area where you come from. Um, was you know was it just something that you like you dabbled around with it, or you were just like, nah, it's not for me. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I definitely would go and play hockey and like uh, for fun. I never played on a team or anything. Uh, again, I think my parents realized when I was younger that I didn't really have a competitive 
um, sort of streak in me. And I, I, I wasn't, I was more into drawing and listening to music and doing things like that, <clears throat> that I think my parents were like, well, okay, this is going to be his thing. I mean, my dad tried to get me to play basketball and hockey and, uh, shit. I mean, I even did fencing for like a minute, like just Ooh, so, yeah. yeah, my parents were just like trying to get me into anything, you know? Sure. And then I, I think when they finally realized like, Oh shit, he likes playing that guitar. That's when they were like, okay, well that can be his thing. Let him, let him pursue that. Right. <laughs> but, well, that's cool. Cause I mean, yeah, that, that's like literally a parent's job is to just expose them and give them a little taste of a bunch of stuff because you never know what, you know, a person is going to be into. And it's like, yeah, the only way you find out is by trying. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's kind of the cool thing. Like, you know, my, again, like my dad, my dad, and my uncle would take me fishing or this and that. And it's just like, I was like, Oh, I can't wait to get home and just like listen to a CD. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And what, what, what were you drawing? I, I, you know, I find kids that like, you know, get into either, you know, drawing cartoons or doodling and that sort of stuff. So like, what were you, um, I guess drawing and, and attempting to create? That was my big thing is I, I, I loved comic books and, uh, the time that I was into comics was sort of like the when image comics just sort of like picked up. I mean, like when I was younger, like, you know, I, I was into X-Men and mostly really just into X-Men and uh, Punisher. Of course. And then, uh, and then when sort of the reboot of X-Men came with Jim Lee uh, doing all the, the illustrating, I guess, I got like super excited about like all his artwork. I really liked his stuff. And then that kind of turned me on to image when they fired up image. And then I got into all the every title they put out pretty much. I was just laughing the other day because I think somebody mentioned Savage Dragon and I'm like, that is such a hilarious title for a comic book. Totally. And it's, it's like a dragon cop. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep cut. I, don't, I always, I, I always enjoy, I enjoy comics too, but you know, the stuff that I was into is very much like you're talking about like Punisher, but then I also liked the stuff that was like not even remotely cool. Like there was like Gru, which was like a caveman that always did stupid stuff. And it was like, I, I, I love the the path that you know individuals can choose once they get into certain things because it's like you can get into it sort of devoid of context you can just dive into it because you're like dude i like comics like so what if i like a you know a crime solving dragon like that's sick i like it (laughs) yeah yeah and i mean one of the big pulls for me was i just you know i always like the artwork more than i like the storylines um so that's something i was always just drawn into and, and and i was you know i was obsessed with learning to try and draw comic books and comic book guys. And I, for, you know, a while, like, I mean, I think for my age, I was pretty good at it. And I thought I was going to like maybe pursue arts as I got older. And then, you know, until I was a teenager, it was kind of like, Oh, well drawing is cool. And I could do comic books. And later I was like, maybe I should get into tattooing, which, you know, had I done when I was like 19, I'd probably be like a millionaire now, you know, sure. Tattooing is, but, uh, <laughs> right. Anyway, it's never, Hey, it's never too late, Stu. It's never too late. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's what drew me into that was, was the, the color and the vibrance and the just, yeah, the, the drawing itself. I I loved it. And, uh, yeah, so that was my big thing until I picked up a guitar. Mm -hmm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June and you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I got to like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment. Focus on the things that obviously for one matter to you, but for two, look back, be like, what have I done? Well, what have I done? Not so well. And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help, but 
where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and entirely suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then boom, you're done. It's great. And then if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch it at no additional cost. So take a moment, reflect on the things you've done, reflect on the things you want to do, and visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ray. The following is a high five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. You've heard me talk about this before, but it's incredibly important to me. We've lost a ton of amazing musicians to overdose, especially opioids like heroin and fentanyl. And addiction is a complete nationwide problem, and there's no easy fix. Recovery is not a one-size-fits-all thing. And that is why American Addiction Centers is absolutely revolutionizing the addiction treatment industry with holistic, evidence-based treatment practices and innovative technology to ensure safety throughout detox and treatment. They special in treating dual diagnoses because most of this stuff is rooted in mental health. And American Addiction Centers offers in-house genetic testing so that you can find out if you're prone to any kind of prescription drug sensitivity or interactions. They're treating this from the ground up. And they work hard to make sure individual needs are met, empowering individuals in their lifelong recovery journey in a comfortable home-like setting. Don't lose your life or your career to drugs. If you or you know someone else that is struggling with drugs or alcohol, please call American Addiction Centers at 888-260-7264, available 24-7, and your life is worth more than your addiction. Please don't wait until it's too late. I have dealt with this in my family. It's incredibly important to me that people recognize this and recognize the help that they can get through companies like American Addiction Centers. 888-260-7264, okay? Please do that. And why, why did you pick up a guitar? Was it just, again, one of those things that your parents, you know, kind of put in front of you to see if you'd be into it? No. I, I mean, I don't even know if they thought about it. We had, we had a piano when I was growing up, and my parents, you know, had me take piano lessons, which I thought was cool. But then uh, there was, in Canada, there was, there was much music, 
and which is the equivalent of MTV. And they had a few sort of TV shows that would play alternative programming. Um, and the, uh, the video for basket case is probably the, the big game changer for me. Cause again, like, I don't know if it's like the, the aesthetic of the video, it, it drew me in visually. And then obviously the song itself, I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then I remember thinking like, wow, these guys look so cool. And then from there, I just, you know, I got into green day super hard and I was like, Oh, this is like, this is cool. This is what I want to do. I want to write my own music and I want to look like these guys and be cool. And, uh, yeah, from there, I mean, I, I, I can remember seeing the video for soulmate, no use for a name. And then I bought that record and yeah, it, rancid let's go and pennywise about time all these all these records that kind of just like they snowball from that point you know what i mean like i was like oh shit punk and drublick like all these records and then i was like well these songs i can kind of play them and then i was like i'm gonna get a bass so i i I got a bass my parents got me a bass and i played bass for a little while and then i realized well anybody can play bass i need to play guitar (laughs) 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 <laughs> and I, I'm going to guess you probably chose bass because you're like, Oh, it's two less strings. It's probably a little bit easier to learn. You know what? I just thought like, I just never saw myself as like the guitar guy, like, you know, like front of the band. Like I, I always thought it'd be cool. Like I always thought Jason Newstead was the coolest guy in Metallica. Um, you know, I like Mike Durant's style. I thought he was a cool dude. Matt Freeman from Rancid was like a psycho, you know? So it's like all these guys, I was like, Oh fuck, it'd be so cool to be like a kick-ass bass player. Right. But then, yeah. But then I was like, but you can, you can actually like write a song on guitar, which I mean, in retrospect, you can sure bass players, you can, you can write songs, but you need those guitars there. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, there, there's a difference between the, uh, the lead and the rhythm section, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what, what kind of kid did you find yourself being as you started to, you know, like going to high school and develop your own identity? Like, you know, like you mentioned, you were already really committed to music. Um, but you know, like, were you outgoing? Were you just kind of, you know, sticking to your group of friends? What did you find yourself being? I was really outgoing to be honest when I was a kid, but I don't know if that's just cause I was like annoying. You know, I don't, I don't think I had like developed enough to realize that I was like, <laughs> it's like this annoying kid. Sure. But yeah, I definitely used to be much more outgoing than I am now, which again, I'm like, shit, man, I should be more outgoing. But, um, yeah, no, I, 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 I did stick to myself in the regard that like, there wasn't a lot of kids that were into punk music, like, especially like, you know, <laughs> I mean, remember in junior high school, like there was like a kid in a doors t-shirt who was older than me and I was wearing an offspring smash shirt and he's like, offspring fucking suck and i was like okay (laughs) all right dude (laughs) whatever um but like but those were the guys that i ended up like running with you know like these these kids that liked pantera and cannibal corpse and sepultura um life of agony all these sort of like like metal bands that you know in a sense come from punk bands but when you're a kid you don't really realize that like this is where it's rooted from or whatever um so like a lot of those guys would be like, Oh, you're a fucking geek. You like punk music, you know, uh, you should listen to cannibal corpse. And I'm like, well, cannibal corpse sucks, man. Like <laughs> it's not for me. Sure. You know, I like, I like that there's like melody in the music that I'm listening to. And I don't know. So I'm kind of rambling on here, but I, I yeah. So I ran with a lot of like the sort of like what we would call skids, uh, <laughs> in junior high school and high school. Sure. Um, And then sort of as I got, you know, 11th and 12th grade, uh, 
that's when I started to branch out more. You know, I hung out with a lot of different kids and I found as I got older too, well, older, uh, sort of my last year of high school, there was like, you know, these group of sort of, I guess what you would, you would classify as jocks who were kind of like interested in like what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Like they were like, Oh, these guys like play music and they party on the weekends or, you know, whatever. So we, we kind of had like this weird crossover with like five or six of those guys that, you know, sort of my last year in high school was, was pretty cool. Like we spent a lot of time and, and, and a lot of those guys were like artistic and, and musical in their own way as well. Like some of them were great guitar players and singers. And, and, uh, I think maybe, you know, maybe I'm, uh, romanticizing this sort of situation, but I think, it, I think for them, it was cool to like hang out with some guys where they could sort of express, you know, that side of themselves. Sure. Um, so yeah, like high school and junior high were never hard. I was never picked on. Um, you know, I was teased, but I, I never took anything really to heart. I was never beaten up or anything for being into punk music. Yeah. Um, but which is, which is, I, I always like, cause I, I do think that our, you know, our generation was kind of the <clears throat> last generation where, yeah, we got, you know, poked fun at for what we were into, but it definitely wasn't, you know, malicious. I mean, yes, of course, some people probably had malicious experiences, but I do think that that sort of, you know, started to phase out where it started to turn more into the, you know, whatever the, the, you know, <laughs> mental abuse that exists now more so than just like, Oh, I'm going to beat this guy up because he's wearing a stupid shirt or whatever, you know? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah I, I, I completely understand where you're coming <laughs> from, but especially too, where it's like, I like that notion of what you're talking about where you, you know, you stick to the people who are into, you know, left of center stuff and you're able to learn so much from so many different people who are just like, Oh wow. Like you're really into, you know, this genre of music and like, Oh, you're really into like the occult or you're really into like all of these other things where it's like, I would never have learned about that if it wasn't for, you know, this one person <laughs> in the group or whatever. Yeah. It, it's so funny. Like I can remember in junior high school, like in the cafeteria line, this guy, uh, Jeff, I can't remember his last name, but I had a punk and drublick t-shirt and I'll never forget. He goes, do you really like that band? well yeah wear the t-shirt you know he's like that's cool my brother likes that band and then like those guys started like kind of being nice to me you know like it's just it's just totally weird like to have you know when you're growing up you have this thing where it's like oh my god there's jocks and there's these cool guys and blah 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 and you, you never really feel like you completely fit in with with anybody but all those all those people might have these like little sort of tendencies they just don't dive in head first the way that some people do like i did when i was a kid i guess mm -hmm. sure yeah well i mean a lot of that stuff is perpetuated culturally by you know movies and what have you which you know there of course is a ring to truth to some of that but you know a person can be you know super into to football and also you know is into straight edge hardcore or whatever like you know those those things, Especially in 2018 yeah. yeah totally those things are not mutually exclusive anymore Mm -mm. <laughs> which is cool man i like that yeah totally because at the end of the day i think the more you know even though there's an argument against the sort of mainstreamification of you know independent music and what have you um the the notion that it's still always going to be weird outsider art and when you include more people into it and people that are like oh yeah like that you know yeah it's weird i don't like that sort of music but like that person's cool so like i'm not going to write off the whole you know punk genre or whatever just because of this yeah totally yeah um 
and so then, you know, as you started to really focus in on, you know, dropping the bass and playing guitar, like, did you, you immediately wanted to play in bands or was that something you kind of had to work yourself up to? Yeah, I started playing in bands before I could really even play guitar. <laughs> what was, what was the first band then? Oh man, this, this is where, the, this is where it gets so embarrassing, right? That's the, that's <laughs> the whole point, Stu. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So when I was, there was this one dude, um, because everybody, everybody my age like sucked at drums. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it was like you're trying to find a guy that can play like a fast punk beat, and instead you're playing with like a guy that's like, you know, learning drums to uh, Whitney Houston's Bodyguard soundtrack. <laughs> right. Like this is dumb. Like this isn't cool. Um, but there's this one dude uh, named Rahil, and he could actually play drums. And he like loved like Operation Ivy and Rancid and and uh, so luckily I started playing music with him. He went to a different school, so I don't even really know how we connected. Um, but it was sick because he could actually play. So then it was like, oh well, then we can actually play through a song. We can put songs together. Um, so yeah, that's where it all started. We started that band, <laughs> and uh, I think the first show we ever played. Uh, we were called uncalled for with the number four. Ooh, I, that's Cause, per- perfect. Cause there was four of us in the band. Of course. <laughs> I, uh, I love, there's really nothing more magical than bands first names because usually you're able to identify right away what the band sounded like. And then you're able to logically connect like, you know, for you, it's like, Oh yeah, four, there's four guys in the band. Like, of course, of course you name your band that. <laughs> This, this gets worse though, now that I'm thinking about it. So previous, previous to that situation, um, there's this band from Vancouver called DBS. Of course. Um, Legendary Canadian, Canadian band. Yeah. Fucking the best. They're awesome. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. so I remember seeing them, uh, there was a show. It was when Rancid was touring on Outcome the Wolves. They played in Edmonton. And it was actually sick. This show is like super sick because it's ranted on Outcome the Wolves at Dinwoody Lounge, which in my mind was like a thousand cap room, but it's probably like a 300 cap room. Right. Um, so it was rancid AFI touring on answer that and stay fashionable when it was on wing nut. So they weren't even over to nitro yet. Amazing. Um, and then it was supposed to be seaweed and seaweed wasn't on the show, but DBS played. And at that point I was already into this record tales from the crib. And they were like 15 year old kids uh, that would wear like matching striped t-shirts and play like four chord punk music. But I remember like seeing these young kids on tour and being like, holy shit, you know, this is so cool. I could do that. Anyway, so I was super enamored with them when I was in junior high school and high school. And then latterly in like the last like seven or eight years, like I I just I love their whole catalog uh, DBS, Um, which is also sweet because Jesse Gander, uh, the singer from that band. Uh, he co co runs a studio with a friend of mine here. And so I see Jesse around from time to time. He's a super nice guy. And, and, uh, I'm sure I've punished him at some point about it Nice, uh, <laughs> as I do. Uh, but anyways, the, the whole point of this is rolling back to that is, uh, so I wanted to start a band when I was in junior high school and this is pre uncalled for, uh, this was, uh, so we were called HNS which is uh, hard nipple syndrome. <laughs> oh. oh, dude, love it. That's so good. <laughs> which is so terrible. It's so terrible. That is, 
that is awful. But like you guys were, you guys were sloppy punk. So of course you would name your band that. Yeah. And, and we did, we did make it to the point where we played, I think my eighth grade talent show, Ooh, uh, which would have been a, a weird combination. I think we covered like Ruby Soho and, uh, maybe one original. And I think we covered snowball by DBS and, uh, I think, yeah, I think that's all we, oh, Salvation by Rancid as well. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so that was the first band and that, that I was still playing bass and it's terrible. Uh, but I, there's, dude, there's the most classic photo from that too. <laughs> playing the bass. I got like a, like a bleach blonde bowl cut. <laughs> Good. Perfect. Yeah. I was a little like chunkier kid. So I was like super funny and like Operation Ivy t-shirt, uh, some sort of chain around my neck and wrists. I'm sure. Sure. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, we did H&S, and, <laughs> and that, uh, that band didn't go very far. Um, and then, yeah, so we started Uncalled For, uh, which did last for a little while. But that uh, turned into a, a band called The Symbiotics. Okay. Which is even more hilarious of a name, like, so, like, like science class? like <laughs> <laughs> Totally. <laughs> well, whatever, yeah. And we had like a sick logo of like a skeleton hand holding an, uh, like a bomb, like an S bomb. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, and that band actually, we released, uh, a real tape with like 12 songs. That's a huge, a huge feat at that time. Dude. And it was sick. Like we went to a recording studio and did it all too. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. So that existed, that happened. And that band was around for well into like when I was in high school uh, which is still just so embarrassing. The name is hilarious. Um, but so around that time I started getting into more like, um, <clears throat> like profane existence kind of punk. Like I was into like, uh, defiance, detestation, deprived, sure. you know, all the, all the D bands. And I still love defiance to this day for what it's worth. Um, listen to the no future, no hope pretty regularly. Uh, the only song I don't like on that record is where they're burning rancid. Cause I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Leave them alone. <laughs> rip off, dude. Come on, get out of here. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, I was getting more into like, like crust stuff, like state of fear. And, um, there's this band from Arizona called Adam Kinder. Do you remember that band? Oh yeah. Wow. That's a deep cut. Yeah. I haven't thought about that in forever. Sick. Uh, civil disobedience. Did you get into they- like the, the Minneapolis scene, like code 13 and all those sort of bands as well? Or, I didn't love like, like was that Havoc Records? Yeah. 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 I, I didn't love quote. It was almost like too sloppy for me. That's true. That, yeah. They, the, yeah. The, the, the thing I liked about like state of fear was like, it was like fast and, but it was like well played. Like, do, do you remember this band three way come? Yeah. They were like, their record was like, it was like, I think they were Swedish, but it was like, they were almost really good. Like, you know, so their record was like decently played and like, uh, I don't know. It was just cool. Like, yeah, state of fear through it come are like two bands that I love because like they were good at being these, these bands that were kind of maybe not the best, you know, mm-hmm. but they were like good in that realm. And, uh, so anyway, this leads into me. Uh, <laughs> so I was in a band after that called Satyagraha. Um, and that was more of like a crust band. Sure. And, uh, um, <clears throat> So yeah, and that band we actually played with. Uh, who was it? We we opened for Detestation, and there was an Ebullition band on that show too. Yafet Koto. Oh, dude, love Yafet Koto. And uh, who else? 
but yeah, that was at a, a venue called Area 51 in Edmonton that I, I can't, I think I only ever played there once. Hmm. But yeah, we played that detestation show, which was sick. And I actually sit, like I was at a restaurant uh, in Vancouver, like sometime last year. And I think I saw the guitar player from that band. <laughs> That's amazing. He had, he had this huge like unidread on the back of his head. Of course. And uh, yeah, and I'm um, like, I'm hundred percent positive. It was the same guy. Yeah. No, um, that's, that's cool that, 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 that sort of stuff started to impact you and you were just, you know, kind of following your musical, you know, whatever you were into at the time, that's what you were actually, you know, attempting to play as well. Yeah. And, and, and on the same token, like I had some friends that were more into like, like, uh, oi and street punk and stuff like, you know, oxymoron and business and stuff like that. And there was this band called, uh, cocksure that I played drums for for a bit. Um, like total just like street punk. Um, and then I, I remember I played drums on a, for this band called the cleats. I recorded one song playing drums for them cause they needed a drummer for one track mm-hmm. and it was for some split. I want to say it's like a, a split that Cox bar was a part of, but I'm not completely sure. So don't hold me to that, but right. <laughs> I did. So, so I, you know, I played guitar and some, cr- Oh, you know what? I drummed in Satchikaraha too. That was a weird thing. Um, I always wanted to be a drummer, like after I got into playing guitar, I was like, oh, drums are sick. So, um, but I just like, I got to a point where like, yeah, guitar took over again. But yeah, so I, I drummed in a couple of bands in the, in the crust band and then in the, the street punk bands. Um, and then after that, it, it, and if I'm just going on, tell me if I need to, if I need to stop and you need to regulate what's going no, on. No, no, I was, <laughs> I was, I, the only, the only thing I was going to ask you was the fact that, you know, because you were so active and you were playing in so many bands, like you know, was it, was basically your focus at that point just to be like, ah, like, I don't know. I don't really need to go to college or whatever. I just, all I want to do is play music. Like, you know, that's, that was your primary focal point. Yeah, I think so. But the the thing was, is I didn't realize like you had to like tour, you know what I mean? Like I was like, Oh, if my band's good enough, someone will find me and we'll just like get signed to a label. Yep. Dude, I have like the most embarrassing thing to tell you when we get to it. Fuck. It's so bad. Um, so in high school, I joined this skate punk band because uh, I've always loved like Fat Records, Epitaph stuff. That's the stuff I grew up on. That's like my bread and butter. And like to this day, I still love everyone and every single one of those bands. I'm going to see Pennywise and Strung Out next week and then Good Riddance on the Sunday. Like those are like three of my favorite bands. Psyched. Um, but so I got into this skate punk band and they were totally just like, like mill and call and 10 foot pole, like kind of ripping those bands off. So I get into this skate punk band and we do that like through high school and it's called pressure point, which is obviously already a band from San Francisco. I think I think so. Yeah. Um, but we don't care cause we're from the suburbs and we're, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Teams, whatever. So we do the skate punk band. Uh, and then as we get out of high school, like, you know, we get a different drummer. Then there's another drummer. And then I meet this guy, Graham. And he is to this day, like, I think one of the best drummers I've ever played with. Um, he played in, uh, in Belvedere and this is a standoff. Um, he now plays for choke. Um, but yeah, that was a total game changer for me because this guy was like really fucking good at drums. And I was like, okay, well then I guess that means that I can like sort of push what I'm writing, um, on guitar. And it it sort of like inspired me to like, you know, 
focus on writing cooler songs. And at that point, like it was like, we were just trying to write like tech stuff, you know, like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta be like tech, tech music, <laughs> like tech punk. Right. Uh, which is like super influenced by that band choke from Edmonton. Yeah. Um, so where am I going with this? So anyway, the point of this is we, we do this band and you know, we, we, we had some like success, like uh, success locally. Like people liked us as a, a local band. And um, this was at a time where uh, for me, at least this scene in Edmonton uh, started to flourish or started to grow. Um, and, and if, if like a, you know, sort of if, if a hardcore scene had existed in Edmonton before that, and I mean like new hardcore, I don't mean like, like, uh, you know, sick of it all and stuff like that. People like those bands, but I don't know if there was a scene in Edmonton where there was like a, a real hardcore scene. And if there was, well, I'm sorry, but, uh, for not knowing any better, but, <laughs> but, when so. I, when, but when I was like 18, 19 is when we started to cross over and play with, with, uh, some punk and hardcore bands. And, and that's like when <clears throat> I, I felt like the Edmonton scene really kind of came alive. Uh, but I'm just going to take a step back here really quickly to tell you the, the embarrassing story. So, uh, pressure point. Oh, and by the way, we knew there was another band called pressure point. So then we're like, Oh, we need to change our name, but we're like so stupid. We just changed it to the pressure point. Oh, and, that's pretty good. Dude, what's even worse, though, is pressure. We just spelled P-R-E-S-H-U-R-E. <laughs> like, what the hell? What are you it's doing? Just so terrible. Anyway, and we wrote that name out, like, hard. Um, anyway, so at one point, we, like, recorded a record. And this is so embarrassing because you probably know the guys who would have received it. But we, like, submitted stuff to Fearless Records. And this was the time when they like, like they had just put out like, like big wig and like those kind of bands. Sure. Um, so we sent them a record and I sent them this big long letter about like how we were like, we we're ready to do this and fucking whatever, you know, it's so embarrassing. Um, because, but that's all I knew, you know, this is still like pre internet age even. So I like wrote them a letter and I, I mailed them a CD and they sent me back <laughs> to this like photocopied piece of paper with like, like three or four uh, check boxes and they just like checked one that was like uh, not this time or something, but you know, keep at it or something. Sure. And I, I remember I, I wrote them a, a follow-up letter where I was like, just kind of like digging into them being like, you think that I'm not worth your time? Like, <laughs> like oh, that's so good. So Dude. And you probably know the guy. Like, I mean, I'm sure he's out there somewhere who knows i've probably even met him in passing at this point you know and i'm like i've never really told anybody that so fuck <laughs> super uh, embarrassing so embarrassing dude i like i seriously think i was like fuck you <laughs> like yeah so, oh you don't think my band's cool whatever dude fuck you man uh but anyway fuck that's so embarrassing oh. it's, it's, um, okay. it's okay but so and then um I mean, was, was misery signals ostensibly your first band where you actually started to like tour and, you know, I guess kind of have a notion of what it's like to play in a band or did you, was there something before that? No, that was it. I mean, okay. So, um, there was some bands that we were like friends with in the city, uh, that would like, they'd go play like Calgary and Regina and like all that sort of stuff. So pressure point did some of that. Um, but so yeah, this all kind of ties in here. So we played a show with uh, compromise and after that show, their guitar player, Jordan 
came up to me and said, Hey, our guitar player is quitting our band. Do you want to play guitar and compromise? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, and they, at that point they were kind of like, like, uh, really just ripping off like poison the well and hope con. Um, and so I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is like, you know, this is a new, this is a newer sound in Edmonton. And like, I, I like, I'm really into this, this scene, you know? Um, so I really wanted to play in that band. So I started playing guitar for compromise and that's sort of like, we started, you know, we played like some shows in Calgary and Regina and stuff like that, like nothing extreme. Um, but that was, Jordan was sort of like my first, um, exposure to like a guy my age that was like, you know, he had contacts like out East, uh, with the full blast and, um, some bands out there like, and, uh, so he, they had gone on tour before, which was like crazy to me. I was like, Oh, holy shit. Like you guys just book the shows and go, that's crazy. You know? Um, but yeah, so that was the thing is, uh, I met Jordan played in compromise for about, about half a year. And then I, I just kind of said, you know, this isn't really for me. Um, so then I went back and started playing with Graham and some other guys again, uh, in a different band called the Hollywood ending. Um, Again, such a terrible name. No, that's right. I remember. I think you sent me that EP. That EP is good. I remember you sending me that. It's actually pretty good. The tunes are pretty good, but the the name is terrible. But uh, anyway, so I'm kind of jumping all over the map here, but did some time compromise. Uh, I left, and then they sort of got this big plan where they're like, okay, well, living in Edmonton doesn't benefit the band because every time we want to do anything, we have to drive 50 hours across the country to, to be you know, sort of surrounded by this scene that we want to be a part of. Right. So they were like, okay, we're going to move to Toronto. And, uh, so they, they did just that. And they, they booked like a tour on the way out there. Um, and on that tour, Jordan was like super into seven angels, seven plagues. And he like caught wind of like a routing they were doing with, uh, a death for every sin, and seven angels, seven plagues. So we toured out compromise as far as grand rapids. And then we were just going to go up to Toronto and then, uh, tour back the pressure point and compromise. was going to continue on touring with seven angels and death for every sin for another week or 10 days or whatever. And then they were going to go back to Toronto and get their <laughs> lives situated there. Um, but so it turned out we played, yeah. So we played Grand Rapids and then Jordan was like, man, you guys should just like roll the next show and see if you can just play. Even if it's like first, like, you know, you got a couple days to kill, like don't go, like hang out, have fun. We were like, oh yeah, yeah, cool. Why not? You know? So we went from Grand Rapids to Warsaw, Indiana. And that's where we played with, that's the first time I ever met the guys in seven angels, seven plagues. Um, Ryan and Kyle who later would start misery signals. Um, but I remember we played this hall show and it was like, just like in a weird, like park. Um, and then from there, the show got shut down. So it got moved to like this dude's farm. And, uh, yeah. So seven, a just played in like this dude's farm with like a giant tractor behind them. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it was pretty sick. And, uh, yeah, so that was the first time I ever met those guys. And then, as the story goes, uh, we left and we went back to Canada and, and, uh, 
compromise carried on with seven angels for another couple days. Uh, and then, uh, that's when they got in the, the car accident. Sure. Sure. That's, you know, well, well documented with the, um, you know, the, the misery signals documentary, um, which was, you know, just, I, I don't think that documentary could have come together, you know, any better. It was just, a. The thing I like so much about it is the fact that basically any band who's ever toured can watch that and understand and not only sympathize, but just like, you know, get everything that's happening. It's, you know, not just singularly about like the misery signal story, even though it is like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just so, oh yeah. Have you toured? Watch this. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely think there's a lot of universal themes throughout the, the, the documentary, but I also think like, there, there has always been something interesting about Misery Signals. We, we've always had like a, an interesting tale, you know, like we were one of the first bands I ever met to have Canadian and American members, um, and be touring constantly like that. And, and, you know, to have such a, a tragic sort of backstory of how the band even came together, you know? Um, because for those that don't know, um, uh, you can watch the documentary. It's called yesterday was everything. Um, I think it's on iTunes and Google and all that stuff. But, uh, basically what had happened is that band compromise got into, uh, a car accident while they were, they were rear ended by a drunk driver. Um, and two of the members passed away in the crash. Um, and I think because, you know, because of what was going on, you know, the band was moving to, to pursue, um, being a full-time band and touring and, and making something, you know, making a career out of being in the band. Um, when Jesse, so because seven angels broke up after that as well, um, after the accident in wake of the accident. Um, so they, they had contacted Jesse about singing for the band for seven angels, seven plagues. And, uh, I think because of the situation and, you know, I can't speak for Jesse, but I, I think, you know, he felt that he had to honor sort of the mission that the band had originally set out on. And, uh, so he joined, uh, seven angels, seven plagues and that fizzled out of after about a month or something. And then that's when they started misery signals. The following is a high five moment from high five casino.com. I won. Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. 
Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Hey, you want to become better at marketing, right? Like whether it's marketing your band, whether that's marketing your graphic design, whatever it is, check out this class. This class is called Sell It Without Selling Out, DIY Marketing for Creatives. It is taught by a good friend of mine, a previous guest in the show, Finn McKenty and Matt Halpern, another previous guest in the show, the drummer for Periphery. It is a step-by-step guide for designers, artists, all the creative people that listen to this show to market themselves and get paid to do what they love. It's everything those two dudes have learned from the past 15 years of experience, which trust me, they have a ton of experience and like not just like fake experience that, you know, padding your resume and stuff like that. These guys, these guys have done it. You'll get 18 videos on each step of the marketing process, plus a 50 page workbook that will guide you through the process of making your own marketing plan. And best of all, lifetime access to their private coaching group where they'll do weekly live check-ins to answer questions in real time and guide you through the process. Sell it without selling out.com. There's a couple of videos there. You can dive in, get a little sample of it. I can't back this thing enough. If you are just slightly interested in marketing, you will find a lot of awesome, awesome nuggets. It's not like you're gonna remember everything. You're gonna remember like two to four things and be like, wow, those are really good principles. So go to that website, sell it without selling out.com. All right, now on with the show. Uh, Misery Signals was, you know, a relatively successful band as far as the, you know, getting out there and touring and, you know, being a quote unquote full-time band. Um, you know, and obviously you've toured for many years with Comeback Kid. Like, you know, do you, you know, how, how does your relationship with touring kind of sit now? Like, have you always liked it? Had, did you have to like learn to like it or was it, uh, you know, is it kind of a juxtaposition of both those things? I've actually thought about that lately and it, it's kind of weird. It was just like, especially when I was, you know, so I started touring with those guys when I, I think I was 20, maybe I was 19, but 20, let's say just to be safe. And I don't know, man, I just kind of fell into it. It was comfortable. Um, I, I liked just like getting in the van and we'll get there when we get there. And then we're going to stay at this person's house and you're going to go to this city and you're going to meet new people and you're going to play these shows. And I don't know. I, I loved it. I loved it when I was younger. And, and you know, unfortunately doing it now for 16 years mm-hmm. consistently, um, I still love it. It's obviously different than it was when I was a kid, but I think anybody that's done it as long as I have and longer would, would tell you that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I fell into it really easily and it became just like this rhythm and this go, go, go rhythm and and misery signals. We were just nonstop, you know, from about, uh, I think it was like 2003 when I started playing with the band. It's either 2002 or 2003. Um, I think 2003, but from the point that I, you know, I, I went down to Milwaukee and started jamming with those guys. I think it was March of, let's say March, 2003. And by April, I think April 17th, we were full on like on tour. Um, that tour was figure four shattered realm misery signals. And am I missing somebody? I feel like I'm missing somebody. If I forgot, sorry. Um, it's okay. 
but yeah. And, and yeah, from that point on, like literally the next like eight years I was on tour, man, <laughs> like every day, nonstop, even when, you know, even when, uh, Jesse separated with the band, you know, we, we said, okay, fuck it. And we just wrote a new record and we got a new singer and we got back out on tour right away. And it was just nonstop, nonstop. And I can remember one year where we were on tour for 11 months. That's a long, that's a long time. It's gnarly, man. And like, it's, it's funny now. Cause you know, if we, you know, I'd probably tour at the most like four months of the year now, like it's crazy to think like just living in this van and, and we weren't making money. I mean, I know that's like, that's sort of like the tale of every like, you know, hardcore punk band. Like, you know, we, we weren't making money at the time. Like it was costing us to do it. And, uh, we're losing weight and being, <laughs> being malnourished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So it's kind of getting away from me again here, but, um, no, I did. I, you asked it how I adjusted to touring and yeah, I, I loved it. I embraced it and I still do. I, I still have that sense of adventure and, and the excitement is still there. And it, it's, it's even more like, uh, redeeming now to do that stuff when people know who your bands are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and plus it's easier to tour as an adult because you're, you know, you're comfortable in your own skin. You know what you like, you know, when you roll into a town, you're like, yeah. All right. Show me some good coffee. Show me some good sites. And like, you know, you have more control rather than just like, you know, the frenzied child <laughs> being out on the road. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, did you, you know, because you know, the misery signals and, and comeback hit, you know, are ostensibly full-time bands. Like, did you enjoy kind of the business aspect of it? Or is it one of those things where you would rather be, uh, you know, invested in the band, but not so, you know, not, not the point of contact, the guy who's dealing with the record label, all that sort of stuff. How's your relationship been with that? Uh, I don't love doing that stuff. I like being in the know, but I don't like having to like make the decisions. Um, so like, especially with misery signals, uh, our bass player, Kyle was kind of like the business guy all the time. And, uh, you know, he was always working out the logistics and the finances and stuff like that. Uh, him and Ryan, but I mean, yeah, they've, they've always sort of just like kind of run, run the business aspect of misery signals. Um, and, and, you know, coming into comeback kid, uh, Andrew and Jeremy had been, been at it for so long. They have, they have a system set up the way it is, you know, and you know, they'll, they share with me the information and the, the decisions and the planning. But at the end of the day, like I'm happy not to be the guy having to organize it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and you know, I mean, since comeback hit has existed for, you know, what, whatever, since 2000 ish or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and now, I mean, obviously you joined the band, you know, 2011, 2012 or whatever. Um, you know, comeback hit is now essentially a legacy band where, you know, you are, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the band that is, you know, m- many people know and have seen, have experienced a record, um, you know, how does it, uh, you know, I guess, how does it feel to be kind of in that position of just like, oh yeah, like, you know, now we are like clearly the older band on all of our tours, you know, not all the time, but you know, a majority yeah. of the time, um, you know, is that, is that weird to kind of have that flip slowly over time? No, I think it's cool. I mean, I think it's great that comeback hit has been a band as long as they've been a band because I, I mean, before I, I joined the band, they were one of my favorite bands. Uh, just in general. I mean, like stylistically, like they combined, like they basically like flawlessly took elements of 
you know, those bands, those like nineties skate punk bands that I love and, and hardcore. And they just kind of like mashed it together and they did a really good job at it. And, you know, uh, turn around and wake the dead are these two like super melodic hardcore records that like were amazing, you know? And I, I, I love, I love those records so much and broadcasting too is like so next level. And I think it's a super underrated record. And even Jeremy and Andrew, like, don't like that record, which I think is insane. Cause I think it's such an awesome record. Um, but yeah, so I got like super excited about playing with those guys and, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't feel like we're an old band when we're on tour. Mm-hmm. Like, um, <laughs> you know, not to keep talking about knock loose, but I mean, that was funny when we toured with them and it's like, some of those guys are 19, like Jeremy could straight up be one of their dads. Like, right. <laughs> without a problem, you know, like it, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be weird. Um, but yeah, so I, that kind of made me feel a little old, but I mean, I, man, I don't know. I, that's sort of like that. There's more to that than just like being in a band. Like I, I look in the mirror and I'm like, you know, I'm 35 years old now, but I still look in the mirror and I'm like, I look like I'm 19. I don't, but I like to think I do, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I still, Especially, I was just going to say, especially being involved with the same stuff that you've been involved in for, you know, the prolonged period of time, there is that notion of sort of, you know, whatever Peter Pan syndrome, stunted adolescence, (laughs) whatever you want to call it, where it's like, yeah, like you don't feel older when you're doing it because you're still doing all the same stuff. But, you know, there is that notion of like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I technically am. (laughs) Yeah. And that's that's kind of the strangest part is, yeah, you're surrounded by this sort of youthful movement. Um, and I, I said this the other day to somebody, you know, I'm right now I'm as close to 50 as I am to 20, which is crazy to think about. Right. Um, but I can see myself doing this for another 15 years. I can see myself doing this for another 20 years. Like, I don't know what would slow me down or stop me. And I, maybe that'll be like a harsh (laughs) reality slap to the face someday when you're like, Oh God, you're like 60 years old. You can't keep doing this. But, uh, I don't know. I love it, man. I, I I can't, I can't see myself slowing down. And I I don't think, I think regardless of like how old the band is, I don't think that's ever going to make a difference. I mean, granted these bands are much older than us, but you know, you look at Chrome eggs and agnostic front mad ball, like those guys still going at it, man. And, and, still putting out relevant records and people like those bands, you know? Oh yeah, Uh, absolutely. I mean, especially too, when it, most bands can exist in a space now where you, you know, you can, uh, have a life at home and, you know, have these things that will, you know, ultimately enrich your experience and be able to create more music around it and not be on the road, you know, like you said, 11 months out of the year. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, I, I think that when, you know, when bands get into that cycle of just only existing on the road, it's tough for a band to write any record that isn't sounding like, Oh man, this is what it's like to be on tour. You know, every band has that second or third record where it's like, Oh yeah, this is what it's like being on tour. And I'm trying to explain that. It's like, well, cause that's all they've experienced. You know, it's tough. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's super funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause that's totally real. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, come, come back, kid. We'll continue to, we're, you know, we're not slowing down by any means. It, 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 even though we do have, all of us have pretty like serious home lives now, you know, kids and wives and jobs and, right. 
but we managed to make it happen, which is really cool. I think it's, it's exciting that we're still able to do that and still motivated and still excited. Um, especially you know, like someone like Andrew, the singer for comeback kid, like we've talked about this before and you know, we're, we, we joke, but it's like, we're, we're sort of self-proclaimed lifers with this stuff. Like I, this is the one thing I fell in love with when I was a teenager. And it's like the one thing that's never let me down, even if it sucks, it's still great. Like I'd still rather be doing this than, than, you know, being an accountant or something. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with that. It's just not for me. Yep. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really grateful that I get to do what I get to do. And especially now, um, having, you know, misery signals, uh, sort of, uh, reignite and, and, and start, you know, playing some shows and we're working on a record and stuff like that. It's great to, to be able to do both. Like, I can't believe I get to play in two of my favorite bands. Yeah, no, it's, it's, awesome. really, it's very cool. Um, the, you know, kind of on that, on that same tip. And the last thing I was going to leave you with was the, um, you know, it, when you're going through your lineage of, you know, all the bands that you played in and, uh, you know, you've contributed a lot musically as well when you've been both playing in misery signals and comeback kid from, you know, low talker to, you know, U to K like you are, you know, it, it seems like there is no shortage of like you wanting to play in a band, <laughs> you know, like you always want to be contributing in some capacity. Where do you mm-hmm. think that kind of comes from? Is it just basically kind of circumstances that throw you into these things? Or is it like, nah, man, I always feel like I got to be creating or where does it stem from? it definitely feels like I always have to be doing something. I, I, I had this conversation with my wife the other day because, you know, uh, I just got back from Boise, uh, working on some stuff, misery signal stuff with the guys. And, and I always feel like I need to like accomplish something every day, whether that's like tracking a demo or getting a riff sorted out or, or, you know, figuring out this merch design or like coming up with an idea for a tour or whatever. And, and that's like, it's like a blessing and a curse, man. Like I can't just like stop and watch TV. Like if I'm watching TV, I'm like drawing while I'm watching TV or I'm like, you know, playing guitar. And then I'm just thinking about the next thing I'm going to do. And, and, you know, even right now there's like, you know, I've got a bunch of demos and I got like four other ideas I want to do for bands. And it's just like, and I'll find the time and I'll make it happen. But it's like, I am like a mile a minute with that stuff. I'll be like, shit, I want to like me and this kid, uh, in town, we want to do a like a Punisher themed band called War Journal. <laughs> I love, love, love it. So we've got like a couple songs right now figured out, and then I have like this other project like that I'm just working on right now that I don't I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Um, but yeah, sort of like a post hardcore uh, second nature records kind of vibe. Um, but I don't I don't know what I'm going to do with that either. Like if that'll just turn into like youth decay songs or who knows like and youth decay like the guys the other guys in youth decay are doing dagger mouth full on again now so i don't know what's going on with youth decay if we're going to do anything else um uh but oh, there was something i was getting at with this i don't know man <laughs> <laughs> hey man you're, you just you were just thinking of the seven bands you were going to start right now i totally get it oh here's a funny thing is so i'm <laughs> while i'm home you know like i don't really I don't have anybody to play with right now and, uh, living with lions, their guitar player lives in Calgary and they have a new record and they're just sort of rehearsing and getting, getting those songs playable and stuff. And, uh, I was listening to the the new record the other day, which is still yet to be released, but, uh, I actually played bass on that record too. But, um, of course you do. 
<laughs> I told uh, I told Chase, I was like, man, like I have nobody to play with while I'm home. Like if you, you want to jam or anything. And he was like, oh, well, we need somebody to sit in and play guitar for Lions. So I'm actually going to play guitar for them while they're rehearsing at home. So that's my third position in living with Lions. Yeah, you've, you've basically done everything in that band. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a drum for him and then I've like done it all. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that, that's, if that's any indication, like, yeah, even when I'm home, I'm like trying to play guitar for bands that I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's <laughs> that's the perfect notion where I just like, hey, I'm home, man. You want to you want to jam? <laughs> let me yeah, let, let me let me come in for that. But yeah, I, I feel like you you might be trying to wrap this up. Um and in saying that, yeah, the Mizzigs, you know, we're, we're writing right now. We're, I'm going down next, uh, at the end of the month to like keep writing with the guys. we got a bunch of stuff. You know, we got about six songs we can play through now. And, um, we're really excited to do this record, especially with Jesse. And I mean, you, you and I could sit here and talk for another probably two hours and I could just go, go, go about. Absolutely. Nerd out. Everything. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, uh, well, that, that, that's the beautiful part about it. I mean, I just think it's a, you know, I've, I've always found you to be a very sweet and genuine person. And I just like the, um, you know, the, the, the work ethic that you've had behind all of this, because I think it just, you know, it's, it's cool. You, uh, you know, yes, you've been fortunate and lucky where you've been able to, um, you know, whatever, join a band like comeback kid that, you know, is on the rise or whatever, but like, it isn't like you haven't put in a lot of hard work prior to that, you know? So I, I appreciate you laying it all out. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> of course, man. Well, uh, I appreciate it, Stu. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I, I always love talking to you. Yeah, you too, man. It's, <laughs> it's good to catch up and, uh, I'll, uh, I'll see you next time I'm through California. Thank you very much, Stu. I appreciate you hanging out. And it was funny, I, him and I were emailing, uh, maybe like about a week or so ago as uh, I told him I was going to be posting this episode. He's like, I'm kind of nervous. And it's like, I, <laughs> I just always tell people, I'm like, it's, it's okay. Like you, you will be fine. Like I promise that if you said something stupid, I for sure will edit it out. Uh, because you know, no one likes to, you know, say something that they didn't mean in just a flow of a conversation. But yeah, Stu was very, uh, very sweet and concerned, but uh, I think he did a great job. Right. And what do we have next week? We have, this is such a rad chat. Spencer Chamberlain from the band under oath, the vocalist, and, you know, he's done the podcast rounds and you've heard him do interviews many, many times before where it's like, oh, Christianity, not cool and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but we uh, I think we peel back some layers that he hasn't really discussed in regards to this just blew my mind. He got one of his first shows as far as aggressive music was concerned is catharsis. And for those of you that don't know who catharsis is, just do some light Internet research and you will yield probably one of the best uh, you know, anti-capitalist, uh, anti-religion, just, just a band that is raging against the machine in so many different ways. And I find it so comical that, uh, well, not comical, like, you know, aha, I'm laughing at them, but I just find it or ironic, I guess is the better term that, uh, this was Spencer's jumping off point for aggressive music. And we talk about that and I have just never heard him express that before. So that's what we got next week. And, um, yeah, bonus episode coming on Friday email 100 words podcast for mailbag ideas and uh yeah that's what i got for you all right so delicious thank you so much for the sponsorship of the show try out one of their five now ice cream flavors it's all plant-based vegan non-gmo certified gluten-free and just cold brew coffee toasted coconut key lime oh man i wish it was some in front of me right now and i would eat it or I can share it with you okay so come on over we'll have some so delicious it'll be perfect and also if you want to send a 
awesomely huge file to a person you are working with. There is no other company that you need to work with other than WeTransfer. WeTransfer.com. They will take all of the pain out of transferring that stuff, sending links, all that. It's just there's no sign ins, no passwords. You have to remember you just upload and do your thing. Okay, so we transfer so delicious the best. So until Friday, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, JabberjawMedia.com. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings.